Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. James chapter 1, let's just read verses 9 through 11 and work through them uh, here this evening. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. All right, so let's look at these, uh, the three questions that we've been asking of each passage that we, we've been looking at in, in the book of James. First of all, what does it say? Number one question is uh, tonight, what two types of people does James address in these verses? So he's talking about two different kinds of people, and the first one is who? The lowly brother, right? He says, let the lowly brother do what? Boast in his exaltation. And then the second group of people that he is addressing in this passage is who? The rich, right? So uh, he's contrasting the lowly brother. Now, it's important. He doesn't say poor necessarily. We'll come to that in just a second. But he says the lowly. And in fact, if you're looking at a different translation, some translation says um, uh, a, a, a brother in lowly circumstances. And so the implication is that he's talking about the poor, but he doesn't specifically use the word poor. However, this contrast between poor and rich, rich and poor, is a contrast that James will come back to. He's, he's kind of introducing it in this verse, but, but it is a contrast that he will come back to. Again, we'll see it as we walk through, go through the book of James. It's a theme in the book of James that he will come back to again and again. But right now he is addressing two types of people, the lowly brother, somebody who is in, as I said, humble circumstances, lowly circumstances. And the implication is that they are poor in regards at least to this world. Uh, financially, they're poor. And then he's also addressing uh, the rich. Some versions um, will add the word lowly brothers and rich man, a rich man. That, the, but the word man is not actually in the text. It's, there's a pronoun there that indicates he's talking uh, about men, but he's not talking to a specific man. Um, and, he, and he's not... He's not even necessarily, uh, well, he doesn't use the word man. And uh, therein is a problem, as we look at this, uh, in, in interpretation. Uh, James contrasts the rich uh, from the poor, and he's contrasting, some see here, uh, who he considers to be brothers and um, non-believers. So some people say that James here is talking about uh, when he talks about lowly brothers, he's talking about Christians. And then when he talks about rich men, he's talking about people that are not uh, Christians. But the text itself doesn't really uh, support that. And in, and in fact, 
both the words um, lowly and rich modify the word brothers. So he's talking about lowly brothers. He's talking about Christians. Again, he's addressing Christians. So he's talking about Christians who are in lowly circumstances, poor, and he's also talking about wealthy brothers, rich uh, Christians as well. Here's here's the point. There are both uh, poor and rich believers that he's addressing um, in this in this letter, so he's talking to a church that has people in different uh, conditions, different positions in life. And here's why that's so important, uh, because the the contrast that we'll see in James in this passage, and then later in James uh, as well, it's important to keep in mind that James is not condemning rich people per se. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being rich. It's important to hold that in your, in your mind. So there's, there's nothing wrong with the rich, but it's the state of mind. It's the dangers that are presented by the riches that a person has in their life. So there's, um, there's nothing wrong with being a rich Christian um, because James is addressing both lowly brothers and rich brothers. Um, there's different kind. There's Christians at different stations um, in the church. Okay, so um, the next question is this: Then, so what do you consider to be rich? And think of it this way: Do you consider? Don't raise your hand. Don't answer out loud necessarily. Then. And when, you, when James is addressing these believers in the book of James, and he's saying, okay, I'm talking to lowly brothers, and I'm also talking to rich Christians as well. I'm recognizing that there's people at different stations in life in, in, this, in, the, in the church. What would you consider yourself to be? Would you consider yourself to be? I said, don't answer out loud, Harold. <laughs> <laughs> you're, giving, you're giving it away. No. Um, would you consider yourself to be a rich uh, person or a, a lowly person? How would, here's the question. How, um, what do you consider to be rich? Now, again, I'm not, I'm not looking for a spiritualized answer because Paul, I mean, James is talking about people that are in lowly circumstances. He's talking about poor uh, people and rich people, people that are well-off, people who are not so well-off. And so um, what do you consider to be rich? Anybody want to take a stab at that? Do what? Everything that you need, okay, that you got everything that you need. There you go, rich in friends and rich in Jesus. How about in money, though? Let's talk about money because that's what James is talking about. How about, here's, here's, let me, let, let's go through a little activity here. All right. Right on your notes. Nobody else is going to see it. All right. Uh, but on your notes, write down a dollar amount that you think would make a person rich. All right. If the person makes this amount of money per year, just, uh, or hold it in your head. If, write it down on the notes. If this would make a person rich. If a person makes this much money or has this much money, it would make them rich. 
chances are, here's, here's the thing, chances are that amount that you wrote on a piece of paper is probably more than what you make or more than what, what you have because typically we think in terms of um, I'm not rich. There are people who are rich have more than me. They, they own more uh, than me. Well, here's, here's the thing. All right, next, next thing. So you wrote down, here's the dollar amount that you think makes a person rich. Next thing, again, nobody's going to look at your notes tonight unless you show it to your neighbor. Next, write down how much money you make. All right? And if you don't want to write it down, it, then just hold it in your brain for just a second. How much money do you make uh, per year? All right? And then there's one more number I want you to write down. I want you to write down this number, 9,733. 9,733 9, is the median annual income f around the world. So um, half of the people in the world make less per year than 9,733 dollars. If you make, the number you wrote down was higher than 9,733 per year, then you make more than half the people in the world. Um, and in fact, you may have heard me say this before, um, again, this is generally speaking, the average American is um, wealthier than 75% of the world. So just if you're American, typically that means that you're in the top 25% of the richest people in the world. So write down in your notes, I am rich. <laughs> I'm, I, so when James is talking about lowly brothers and rich, the rich, then who do you think he's... When he, um, which one do you think that you are? You, you're the rich. You're the rich. I mean, and it's important for us to remember that because we don't, as Americans, we don't typically think that way because there are a lot of people that are richer than we are. They have more than we have. They make more uh, than we make. But in reality, you're right, Harold. We are rich, aren't we? We really are. Not just in friends and, and other things, um, but materially, we are rich. And so when we read James, this passage and the other passages that he'll talk about, um, then, then we really have to put ourselves in, in, our, in our mind, we have to understand that at least in terms of what James and that early church thought, we're, we're rich. Now, I know that rich is a relative term, and so when you compare yourself to other people in America, or you compare yourself to other people in, even in our church, you might say, well, I'm not as rich. As, and I get that. I, I understand that. Um, but the dangers, and this is what we're going to be, uh, where we're going in just one second, the dangers that James associates with being rich are applicable to us. And that's why we have to pay attention to what James is saying in regards to the rich because we can't just say, oh, he's talking about somebody else. I don't have to worry about that because when, when he's talking about the rich, he's talking about somebody else. No, 
we need to listen to what he's saying when he talks about the rich because we uh, are rich, right? Okay, so, um, so what does it mean? What is he saying to the, to the rich? He addresses the lowly and he addresses the rich and he says something interesting. He says, let the lowly, lowly brother boast in his exaltation and, then, and the rich in his humiliation. So it seems that he is saying, um, why, why would James encourage his readers to boast about seem, two seemingly opposite experiences? Why would he say, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and let the rich uh, brother or the rich man boast in his humiliation? Why, why do you think he would encourage the two different groups to, to boast in two different things. I want to say what you think. That's a hard question. It is, it is a hard question, isn't it? I was hoping y'all would answer it so that I could have a good answer for you tonight. Yeah, Eli. <laughs> Okay, that's a great answer. Did everybody hear that? So in both of those experiences, there's an opportunity to learn something, you know. And, and that certainly is one of the applications here is that whatever, and we've talked about this before. I'm not sure if it was in James, but in whatever station in life you're in, then Paul says, Paul says whatever state you're in, whether you're abounding, whether you're abased, whatever, be content and thank God. For, for whatever state uh, you're, you're in. Anybody else want to take a stab at it? There, um, I think that part of it has to do with the context of, what, of, of James. Remember, James is writing this to a church that is undergoing what? Persecution, right? And so what is the effect that, the pers that persecution is having on on the church for the effect that the, the persecution was, remember it, it, this, these are believers that were uprooted from their homes and had been scattered abroad because they were being persecuted by the Roman Empire so they were basically a lot of them were what they were refugees right and so they had had to pull up their homes they had to uh, uh, were sent far away and so for a poor person um, that upheaval in their life might not have been as drastic, right? And so when you're, I, I want to say this and, and try not to sound pejorative or not, not ugly, but when you're poor, how many knows you don't have as much to lose in, in persecution, right? And so if you're already poor and circumstances, if Let's say it this way. Here's, here's how we can get our minds around it as Americans. If you're poor and the stock market crashes, <laughs> that's exactly right. You don't have anything to lose, right? Uh, if you're poor already and you're living on beans or whatever and the stock market crashes, then you're like what? Oh, well, that's, that's bad, the stock market, but I didn't lose any money. Now, the economy is bad, and, um, and so that's... The context, I think, here is important. I think that, that James is saying, you know, the poor, those that are in um, 
lowly circumstances, well, you know, rejoice in your exaltation. It doesn't mean that they're being exalted, but it, it, it does mean that if you're down here and the circumstances come down, then how many knows you, you may not be being exalted, but your station in life does yeah. improve, again, relative to uh, the other people in the church or the other people around you, okay? So the, the gap, you know, we talk a lot about the wealth gap in America. Um, so when persecution hits the church and you got rich people and poor people and persecution hits and the wealth gap closes dramatically, then how many knows that's kind of a, a leveling takes place. And so Paul is, is saying to the, to the poor, you know, rejoice in the fact that you don't have so much to lose and, and that your station has not changed that much and you've been relative to, other, to the others. Your station has risen a little bit. And, but then he says um, to the rich, and you rejoice in your humiliation. Rejoice in the fact that you have lost a lot of money in the stock market. Rejoice in the fact that you have been uh, brought low. Here's, here's the thing. James is telling both groups of, of believers to rejoice in the fact that now they've been brought low. That rejoice in the fact that you are humbled. That you have been humbled. The poor that are already humbled, that are already in a lowly condition, and the rich who now have been brought down to that lowly condition, because he's saying to both groups of individuals, rejoice in the fact that you have, that you have been brought low and that you are low. Here's the thing, and, and we'll see this again and again in the book of James. James has a preferential um, attitude toward the poor and the lowly. Here's what James is saying. There is an advantage in being poor. There is an advantage in being lowly. And again, poor there not meaning less money, but poor, and that's why he uses the word lowly. It's not about how much money you have. It's about um, the attitude of your heart and how attached you are to possessions and, and wealth. But James is saying there is an advantage to being brought low and to being humiliated to being humbled. There's an advantage to it. What, what kind of advantage could there be in being poor or in being brought poor or being brought low? That's exactly right. That's one of it. You, you trust the Lord more, don't you? When you're brought low, you, you learn to trust. You know, one of the things about the Pentecostal revival is there's a tremendous, I was reading um, the other day some more statistics about the Pentecostal church and how it still is growing and flourishing. But, you know, the Pentecostal revival happened in a time in America when Pentecostals were, in fact, one of the, books about the Pentecostal revival, the title is, is uh, The Vision of the Disinherited. And it was because the Pentecostal revival started among very 
poor people. And, you know, the Pentecostal churches used to be on the wrong side of the tracks, right? And it, because they were poor people and because they were poor, one of the characteristics of the revival was that these poor people were desperate. And so they called out on God and their desperation their, um, caused them to have trust and reliance on God. They didn't have the, the wealth, the benefits of mainline churches. And so um, they learned to just rely on God, trust in God. So one of the advantages of being humbled, being brought low, and one of the advantages of your stock portfolio crashing is that you learn to cry out to God and, and uh, call out to him. What are, what are some other, what could be some other advantages of being lowly or an advantage of being brought low or humiliated? Anybody else? That's exactly right. You stop worrying about it. And, and again, I think that goes back to what, what James is saying to the lowly. He's, he's saying, you know, hey, you didn't have anything to lose anyway. And so, so I agree with you. You stop worrying about riches. And, and that's, what, that's one of the things that James is going to say in this passage is you, you realize how transitory wealth really is. And so you no longer, have to, you no longer worry uh, about wealth. There you go. Put your, yeah, that's right. Put your stock and trust in Jesus. Amen. Uh, all right, good. Any, anything else? Say it again. You stop reaching for it. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's good. Somebody else over here. Yeah, that's exactly right. In fact, that's the next... Great segue, Lisa. Thank you very much. Because the next question is this, uh, under what does it mean? Read Luke chapter 6, verse 20. What does anybody know what Luke 6, 20 says before it pops up on the screen? Blessed, and he lifted up his eyes to his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, Matthew puts it this way. Matthew kind of um, editorializes it just a little bit and says, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? And, and there's no problem with that because, again, I think that's kind of what James is saying when he says, um, when he talks to, about the lowly. Because you can, how many knows, you can be poor and still not be lowly. You can still have pride in your heart, pride in your, in your life. And so that's what James is talking about, not somebody who just doesn't have money but somebody who is lowly in their heart, lowly in their spirit. And, and poverty does bring us to that place. There is an advantage in it that it does teach us to trust in the Lord, not to rely on riches. Um, so there is an advantage in being poor in that it makes us more like Jesus Christ. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So um, the advantage of being poor or lowly in heart is that it, it provides, and this is what James has been, talking, has been talking about, it provides an environment that tests our faith. 
And remember, that's what James is, has already been talking about. Blessed are you. He, he, so he talks about um, that when we go through trials, this was a church that was going through adversity and trials, and it was testing their faith, which would, was, was going to do what? Was ultimately going to make them perfect, right? And so poverty and being lowly in mind and spirit creates, or poverty, being poor, creates an environment in which your faith is tested. You're required to rely on God. <laughs> and you let go of the riches and you put your hope and your trust in heaven. Amen? And so that's what James, so there is an advantage that comes from being poor and there are dangers that are associated with being rich. And what are the dangers that James talks about here um, about being rich? Yeah, he says, um, for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the grass, the flower, its flower fails and its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. He, so James says wealth is, wealth can quickly fade. Wealth can be here today and gone tomorrow. That's right. When adversity, when adversity strikes, it can quickly go away. And that's, again, that's what many of them were experiencing in the church that James is talking about. These rich Believers who were now essentially just refugees. They had lost their homes and had to flee from persecution. And so how quickly all of that was gone, had, had faded away. And if they... That's exactly right. That's why we should hold on loosely to our wealth because it can quickly... Uh, quickly go away. And not only can our, can our wealth go away, but James says we can go away. And so no matter how much you amass, no matter how much wealth you store up, um, man himself quickly fades uh, away. And so wealth um, is an unreliable source in which to put our trust and our faith our faith and our trust has to be in Jesus Christ and in, and in God. So how does it apply for the next couple of minutes? Here's what I want us to do. In fact, I'd like for Mike. Mike, would you come back to the piano? And Pastor Blaine, I want you to prepare to sing. Um, in fact, Joey was uh, prophetic earlier when I was typing in. I, I do want to sing that course that I showed you how to add in. Lord, you are, I think it's called more precious than silver. Lord, you are more precious than gold. So if you can add that into the, uh, onto the screen, we're going to sing more precious than silver. Here's, here's what I want you to do for the next uh, 30 seconds or so. Where you're at, on your notes, I want you to read uh, in your notes. Read Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. And they're going to come up on the screen here in just a second. Read Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, and here's what I want to ask, what I want you to ask yourself. Where is, where is my heart? Okay? 
So Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21 says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So take 30 seconds, and I want you to ask yourself, where's, where's my heart? Am I, have I been investing more in temporary things than I have been in eternal things? See, a believer invest in eternal things. We don't try to lay up more treasures here on earth, become wealthy and become rich here. We, we make our investment in heaven and in eternal things. So just about 30 seconds, I want you to take some time, consider that, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you, and then we're going to sing this song uh, before we're dismissed. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.